Ilya Sorokin wearing an Islanders jersey just gets closer and closer and closer. You're wondering which of these four defensive pairs Barry Trotz is going to use in the top six. We're almost within a week of NHL hockey here, and uh, boy, does that, that feel good. Newsday presents the Island Ice Podcast with Andrew Gross. And welcome to Island Ice, Newsday's New York Islanders podcast, episode 40-4-0. As we get ready and look ahead to the Islanders' best of five qualifying series against the Florida Panthers starting on August 1st. Hi, I'm your host, Andrew Gross of Newsday. You can find me on Twitter at agrossnewsday. And uh, I got a got a nice show, hopefully lined up for uh, for you listeners. Uh, we're going to be talking very shortly uh, to Florida Panthers beat reporter George Richards, one of my good friends in the business. Uh, he's working now for his own venture called Florida Hockey Now. That's FloridaHockeyNow.com. And uh, very shortly, uh, George is going to give you the rundown on what to expect from the Florida Panthers. Uh, in this best of five qualifying series, which, uh, like I said, opens up on August 1st. The Islanders will be uh, traveling to their hub city of Toronto on Sunday, July 26th, um, as they are in their second week of this training camp 2.0. And uh, as I see it, there's sort of, uh, I think it's four questions, uh, you know, I was counting it up in my mind, really four questions to me uh, to be resolved during this training camp. Uh, you know, one, uh, obviously, but besides the overall picture of uh, just which players will be going to the bubble. Uh, one, I, I think you're, you're wondering which of these four defensive pairs um, Barry Trotz is going to use in the top six as uh, the, the, the tandem of Andy Green and Noah Dobson have certainly made quite an impression in camp and are pushing uh, to be in the lineup. So, you know, which of the eight defensemen are going to get to be in the top six for game one? Certainly, which of the two goalies, Semyon Varlamov, Thomas Grice, are going to get the nod for game one and, and get a chance to really run with it there? Um, so there are two questions, and then I, I think you're also looking uh, at how Barry Trotz is going to configure the Brock Nelson line, um, and how Barry Trotz is going to configure the JG Pajot line. Now, it, it, it seems obvious that Pajot is going to be with Broussard, and Nelson is going to be with Bailey, and it's just which other winger will Barry Trotz use on those lines, and then how will he deploy those lines against the Florida Panthers and uh, Joel Quenville, their, their, their coach. And uh, we'll get all into all of that uh, in Andrew's answers. And I know uh, there were some questions about lineup and how everything was going to be configured. So uh, we'll, we'll get into all that after we talk to George. But uh, before getting to George, just one other uh, note, um, Ilya Sorokin, and uh, I guess this would be uh, the brief Ilya Sorokin portion uh, of this podcast episode. So, uh, you know, Mark, if you want to crank up the theme music. As we know, uh, the last time we uh, we left the Ilya Sorokin uh, story, um, the 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 Russian goalie had signed not one but two contracts with the Islanders. He signed his entry level deal, which allows him to join the Islanders for practice during this uh, return to play format, but makes him ineligible to play during. Uh, any games this season, but on top of that, he also signed a one-year, $2 million extension for next season. Um, and again, the NHL is hoping to get next season going on December 1st, so Ilya Sorokin will be an Islander next season. 
uh, a playing member of the Islanders. Um, and, and the hope was that Ilya Sorokin would be able to travel from Russia uh, and get to the Islanders training camp and start working with director of goaltending Mitch Korn and goalie coach Piero Greco as soon as possible. Uh, they're, they're, it, it didn't happen as quickly as possible. It seemed like there was some delay in the paperwork, um, you know, travel papers, work visas, all that kind of stuff that uh, Ilya is going to need coming from Russia to North America. But uh, Ilya's U.S.-based agent, Dan Milstein, announcing on Twitter uh, uh, on Tuesday, um, that would be July 21st, that um, Ilya is NHL-bound, quote-unquote. In fact, uh, Ilya and uh, Canadian's prospect, Alexander Romanov, uh, were pictured together on, on Dan's Twitter feed, uh, both wearing masks, by the way, and good for them. Uh, <laughs> um, and uh, so Sorokin and Romanov are NHL bound. Now, no word from the Islanders whether that means Sorokin is Long Island bound or uh, or whether he will go straight to Toronto. But the latter seems more uh, more reasonable at this point because of the quarantining period that Ilya will have to go through. But one way or another, it looks like Ilya is on his way to join the Islanders practice group. Um, and, uh, you know, when he is on the ice, uh, that's still to be determined. But, uh, you know, Ilya Sorokin wearing an Islanders jersey just gets closer and closer and closer. And, and so, too, does the return of the NHL season. Uh, as I said, the Islanders game one against the Florida Panthers on August 1st, and an exhibition game, their lone exhibition game against the uh, rival Rangers on July 29th, all those games being in Toronto. So, uh, you know, we're, we're almost within a week of uh, NHL hockey here, and uh, boy, does that, that feel good. And you know, and I hope uh, hope that is something that will help us all get through. Uh, you know, uh, the, the the tough times that are still going on. And uh, you know, as, as I say every week, usually closer to the top of the show, I, I hope everyone and everyone's families and friends have stayed safe and uh, stayed healthy, and everyone is doing well. And uh, you know, I, I talk a little bit about what. Uh, the COVID-19 pandemic, uh, how, how that has affected life in Florida, because uh, uh, that's the hot spot now. And uh, uh, to discuss that and the Florida Panthers and the NHL in general, uh, I hope you enjoy my talk here with the Florida Panthers beat writer, George Richards of Florida Hockey Now, floridahockeynow.com. And very, very pleased and happy uh, to be joined by my, my good friend George Richards of uh, Florida Hockey Now has just done a tremendous job of covering the Panthers now for years and uh, also did the Columbus Blue Jackets for a year as well. And uh, one of the guys in the business uh, I really enjoy reading and, you know, try and emulate with my work. And, uh, you know, if you're if you're looking for a follow during this Islanders Panthers series, George is your guy. He's on Twitter at George Richards. Uh, give him a follow. And George, how are you, buddy? How's everything? Good morning. What's going on, my man? What's happening? <laughs> everything, everything's good. Like I said, just uh, you know, happy that hockey is back, and uh, we're actually uh, you know covering actual practices and talking about line combinations and trying to analyze what might be coming up rather than, uh, you know, worrying about, uh, you know, whether this was all going to come back. But uh, first, let, let, let me just ask you, I mean, you know, when, when, the, when the season was paused, that March into April was kind of a hellish time here in New York uh, where it was the epicenter. You know, how, how is it in Florida right now? I know that's uh, become kind of a, a hot spot. How, how, how are you, first of all, and, uh, you know, how is it living in Florida these days? Yeah, listen, I mean, looking at the numbers, it looks like we're hitting, you know, what New York was months ago, and um, 
You know, aside from, you know, wearing masks into places, you know, into the supermarket and, you know, you know, every, you know, you, you know what I'm talking about. Everywhere yeah. you go, you've got to wear the mask. And um, we've got the idiots down here who don't want to wear them and, uh, you know, that kind of thing. But um, down here in South Florida, you know, people seem to be adhering to the rules. I, I drove up to Ohio a couple weeks ago and was just, you know, aghast at, you know, you stop at, you know, you stop at the travel center and I'm the only guy wearing a mask. And, um, I, I don't know. I mean, just, just wear a mask and this thing hopefully will be over in a little bit. I mean, but as far as life, I mean, life was a much different here in, in March and April when you couldn't do anything. And now, honestly, it's not much different than anything else other than wearing the mask. Everything's open and, you know, well, it's kind of weird. You see the numbers, but you don't see any any reaction to it. So, <laughs> whatever. Yeah. yeah, I mean that was one difference. I, I think here in New York, where where a majority of people seem to to get on board with what needed to be done, uh, you know, and, and seem to be sticking with it. But <laughs> well, well I, I think what happened was here, especially, on, and that probably happened in every way. I think it happened everywhere, but. You know, we were all locked up, and everybody did a great job doing that. And as soon as the green light went up, everybody went bananas. You know, everybody yeah, went nuts. Yeah. You know, hey, let's go to the bar, and let's, you know, oh, we're okay. Everything's cool, you know. And and, and, and now look at where we're at. Now more stuff's probably going to have to close, and it's going to be bad when that happens because there's a lot of places, especially down here, that barely survived the first shutdown if they have to do it again, there's going to be a lot of places that don't reopen, and that, yeah. that, that that's going to stink. Yeah, no, it's definitely, uh, definitely troubling, to say the least. Have you, you know, the NHL released its COVID report on yeah. uh, on Monday, and it was very, very positive. Only two, two positive uh, test results out of more than 800 players tested. I, I, to your knowledge, are the Panthers doing anything above and beyond to to make sure you know their their curve stays flat before they get to the bubble? They haven't you know said anything like above and beyond. I mean they they've asked the guys, listen, you know, most of the guys live in Fort Lauderdale Beach or around you know, which which you know kind of has been a hot spot. They've just asked the guys, guys, you know, we're going to Toronto in a couple weeks. Don't you know go out unnecessarily. Stay inside for dinner, grill on your grill, you know, play in your pool, but don't go out, you know, to the beach and stuff like that. And I think the guys that have adhered to it, um, you know, these are hockey players, right? I mean, we we know we know hockey players. We've covered them a long time. Um, they're they are team first guys, and I think that you know they've they've taken that to heart, and 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 it's unbelievable that they've only got two tests come back out of all these players when they haven't even come into a bubble. Um, you know, we heard about the NBA having no net, you know, having zero tests, uh, zero positives, but they're in a bubble. I mean, they are in a controlled situation. These guys are not. I mean, they're going from home to the rink to wherever. Um, so I think it's a great sign um, that, that we've only had two, and hopefully it stays that way, and, and we can go to Toronto uh, on Sunday, and, and everything works itself out. Yeah, no, certainly. Now, as far as hockey talk, what what have been your impressions of uh, Coach Q's uh, training camp 2.0, and uh, you know how has the team looked? And uh, give me some overall impressions on what you're expecting from this team with the uh, season restart. I was a little uh, surprised. I thought, you know, you know, knowing that you've got a two-week training camp and these guys, you know, took, you know, took, you know, weren't weren't, you know, practicing for 4 months. I thought, you know, the first 3 or 4 days were going to be, you know, skate sessions, you know, put the pucks, lock the pucks away and then just skate and yeah. He's just—he's just been working on stuff. It was like you know, it was a Thursday in uh, February. The first practice went for like an hour, an hour fifteen, and they worked on some special team. You know, it just looked like a regular practice, and that's how he's been running it. And, um, you know, he's been doing this a long time, and obviously, he—he he thinks he—you know—he knows the, the the pulse of his team, and they've looked okay to me. Um, you know. But we're going to find out pretty quickly, uh, you know, how exactly everybody looks, you know, when they've got their preseason game against the Tampa Bay Lightning. 
Um, but they do look crisp. I mean, I, I've seen some guys flying up the ice, and um, we're going to see, you know, you know how much stamina they've got. But I think the Panthers, and I'm sure, you know, every team in the league can say this, that the guys did a pretty good job for not being able to find any ice for, you know, six weeks to two months. Um, you know, when they were allowed to come on the ice by themselves, everybody took advantage of that and uh, worked themselves back into skating shape. Um, now we're just going to find out if they're in game shape because that's always the biggest thing, right? And usually you've got four or five preseason games to figure it out, um, and now you've just got the one. So it'll be interesting to see what the hockey looks like when we return, when, when you, there's actual competition. Yeah, no, and, and it, it, it's interesting to me the way you're describing Panthers camp is sort of how I would describe uh, Barry Trotz's Islanders camp, and I don't think that's a coincidence given that the two of them are at right. the list of all-time winningest NHL coaches. And, uh, you know, that's something we can discuss as well, how interesting it's going to be for these two grandmasters to match up in a short playoff series. But before getting to that, and my guest is George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. The, the X factor to me uh, is how is Sergei Bobrovsky going to play if he is indeed the Panthers' starter? Um, you know, I know he kind of struggled through his first season in Florida. What, what have you seen from him in training camp, and do you expect uh, Q to go to the Bob for game one? Yeah, I mean, Bob's the guy, right? I mean, he's the guy they signed for this reason. Um, they signed him to carry them into the playoffs. They signed him to be the goalie in the playoffs. And, and he didn't get that opportunity to carry the team into the playoffs because the last 13 games got wiped off. So um, I, I think the you know, in talking to Sergey, uh, the last couple months were beneficial to him. I think he had been dealing with some lower body stuff throughout the year. Uh, he missed the last four games uh, with, with some kind of, some kind of, you know, groin thing, uh, was very close to coming back. The last Panthers practice in Dallas, he was on the ice for a good two hours. And, I mean, the, you, you could feel the sweat coming off him from where we were sitting. Um, so he was really close to coming back and, and was really motivated to come back. But um, then, then things get shut off, so now he's got some time to rest. And he looks sharp. I mean, he really looks good. He's handling the puck well. Um, he's a guy that, that – that, kind of has his own routine and things of that nature. Um, so it, it's kind of hard to, 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 you know, to pick, you know, well, where is he right now? Because even, you know, when he was struggling, he always looks good. Um, you know, and, and I think that's one of the, the misnomers about, you know, how, how Sergei Bobrovsky struggled this year. There were games in which, you know, the Panthers gave up five goals, and, and I would have said that Sergey was the MVP of the game for the Panthers because he, yeah. he kept he kept it from being ten goals. Um, you know, the Panthers are just a you know play loose and wild with their defense, or did earlier in the year. They thought that they were going to outscore everybody, you know, six to four. Um, and then when they realized that wasn't working, they 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 started to focus on the defense, and uh, you know, Sergey Bobrovsky was hurt at the time and he wasn't he didn't get the benefit from from that change in mindset so um if the panthers come back the way they were playing going into the break defensively and then play that way in front of sergey bobrovsky i think everything that, that we talked about him struggling and all that stuff will be forgotten i i mean certainly you know uh glancing at the panthers you know aaron ekblad on defense uh yep. Keith Yandel, you know, is, is a big name. Who who have been the guys in your mind that have really stepped up and improved and, and led to that, you know, the Panthers becoming more of the defensive team that I'm sure, you know, Q wants to construct in Florida? Well, it was definitely, you know, it was definitely led by their defensemen. I mean, you, you just saw Mike Matheson get better. Uh, Aaron Ekblad, I think, quietly had one of his best years since he came into the league. Um, you know, he, he became a number one guy, very counted on defensively. You've got Anton Strallman, Riley Stillman, a young defenseman who started the year in the AHL, is now in the top four and logging huge minutes with Anton Strallman, a, you know, a veteran guy everybody knows. But I really think that the defense, the defensive improvement came from their forwards. 
Um, they added Eric Halla and they added Lucas Walmark. They put those guys at the two three center. Um, those guys were winning faceoffs. They were blocking shots. They were getting you know their sticks in the lanes, um, and and it all kind of just worked its way back. Uh, you have Nola Chari hitting everything that moved. You had you know Mackenzie Weger, you know blocked seven shots in one game or something. So they all seemed to buy in to uh you know playing defensive first hockey and they look like a completely different team and uh, it was a small sample size but if they they now know they now have tangible results that if we play this way we'll be okay and i i, I think that's going to you know that's going to that's going to be good for them because against a team like the Islanders you need to be patient you need to you need to pick your spots. You're not going to score five goals on the Islanders, not in a playoff game uh, or what you know, qualifier, whatever we're calling this. Um, so they, they've just got to they've just got to know that they're not going to you know, and I think they do that they're not going to be able to to win games five three six four anymore. Um, that didn't work for them in February. It's definitely not going to work for them now. You, you mentioned Holland. Uh, you know, Chase Prisky is a you know was the twenty three year old top defensive prospect, yeah. right? Um, what was your assessment of you know trading Vincent Trocheck to the Hurricanes? Because I mean, to be honest, and, and again, I'm not embedded with the Panthers like you are, yeah. George. But but to me, Vincent Trocheck is one of the best sneaky good players in the NHL, and, and I thought it was really of subtraction to the Panthers lineup there, uh, but you, you know, you, you're obviously saying Hall has led to some defensive improvement. What, what did you make of that trade? I, I think had the Panthers not completely fallen off a cliff, you know, coming out of that 10 day break, um, you know, they wouldn't have traded Vincent Trocek, but that, that team needed something so badly they needed to change something, you know, and 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 they felt like getting four players back, two two NHL guys in Walmart and Halla, plus Chase Prisky and and a, and a young Finnish forward, um, E2 Lesterainen, um, they felt like that they were going to be able to change their team a little bit. You look at the offensive production um, from from you know. Vincent Trocheck and Eric Halla, very similar, at least the numbers they had put up this season. Um, and, and the Panthers just felt like something had to be done. Now, in a perfect world, had the Panthers continued on their way like they were in January, I, I think they might, you know, look to add more than subtract. But they felt like they did add by bringing in, you know, two veteran NHL guys. Or, well, you know, Hall is a veteran. Uh, Walmart is a younger guy that they've got control over. Um, who they really like. They, they, you know, some guys have compared him to a Sasha Barkov without the offense. So they like the way he plays. They like the way, you know, he's going to be part of this team moving forward. Um, and, you know, it was just, you know, they felt like a change had to be made. And it was a tough deal because, you know, Vincent Trocek, you know, was one of the core pieces of this Florida Panther team drafted in this, you know, drafted by the Panthers came up, had a big season in 16, had a big season in 17, uh, 16, 17. And, uh, then he got hurt a couple times and his production has fallen off a little bit, but, uh, you know, big guy in the clubhouse in the, in the locker room, stop, sorry, baseball talk. Uh, <laughs> great guy, great guy in the locker room, very popular player. It was not a popular move when it happened. Um, among teammates just because of how popular Vincent Trocek was, but the Panthers felt like they had to do something, and, and that's what they did. I mean, and you bring up Barkov, and obviously, you know, that that top line of Barkov, Evgeny Dadanov, and Jonathan Huberdeau uh, is just, you know, it's dynamic. Would you call the Panthers more of a top-heavy team, or do you – because the Islanders are going to roll four lines at you especially yeah. with Casey Sezikis healthy. Sure. Can, can that wear down the Panthers, or can the Panthers kind of match the depth that, that the Islanders are going to throw at them? Well, looking at the Panthers lineup, um, you know, I, I, it's, going to be, it's going to be interesting to see because you've got, you've got Huberto dropping down to the second line now. You move Frank okay. Toronto up with Barkov. You've okay. got you've got now got a second line of the, the Triple H line they're calling it Huberdo, Eric Halla, and Mike Hoffman. That's not too bad, especially no, with the way no. Mike Hoffman played the last six weeks of the season. Mike Hoffman really jumped out as a 
terrific two-way player, known for his shot, known for his offense, his, you know, his scoring ability. But I'll tell you what, that guy played with some heart the last six weeks of the year. I think he's, you know, one of those guys that, that nobody really talks about. Now, down to the bottom six, you've got Brian Boyle, Lucas Walmark, and uh, Brett Connolly, not too shabby. And then a fourth line with Colton Sevier, Nola Chari, and uh, who's center in the fourth? I don't even remember. But, but I mean, they, they, they look like uh, Joel Quinville wanted, you know, obviously everybody wants four lines, wants to be able to. He thinks now that you've got Huberdeau down on that second line that they've got four solid lines. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. But, you know, they think that they can match that. And, and, and they think that they've got enough offense on all four lines. They think that they've got plenty of defense on all four lines now. Because with Vetrano moving up to one, and then you've got Hoffman and Hall on two, you know they can match up with anybody. How was uh, how's how's our good friend Brian Boyle been down there this year? And you know I know he has a reputation of being you know a guy that really steps up in the playoffs. How do you think it's going to go for him? You know off this four month break and then trying to ratchet it up right to uh, you know playoff intensity. Well, he missed the last eight, 19, eight, 17, 18, 19 games, whatever it was, of the season. He uh, he got knocked out of the game. Well, not knocked out. He, he got hurt in the game against Montreal on February 1st and then and then missed up until the break. Uh, he Again, he was a guy like Bobrovsky that was right there ready to come back. So maybe the break helped him out. Um you know, he didn't have a training camp with the Panthers this season. He was a free agent who didn't sign yeah. until, until mid-October. So he's getting a training camp with these guys. He's centering that third line. Um, it'll be interesting to see, you know, what, what, what he can do. I mean, I know they've already – they think that, you know, he's going to really help them. He's going to help them in the face-off circle. He's going to help them, you know, with his physical presence, getting down low, um, he could be, you know, one of those guys that you don't talk about a whole lot because you look at his stats, I think he's got five goals in 40 games or something. Um, but he very well could, could get that kind of production in, in, a, in a series. Uh, so, um, you know, I, I think he was a good addition to this team. He's a guy that everybody looks up to and talks to, and he's, he's got, you know, one of, you know, one of those guys that's got his fingers on the pulse of the team. Um and and I think they missed him. I mean, you look at you know the Panthers' record when he wasn't in the in the in the in the lineup. Um, like I said, they fell off a cliff, and, and Brian Boyle was not in the lineup for that. So um, look at his stats and all that kind of stuff. But they definitely missed having Brian Boyle uh, in February and March. Yeah, no, and he's a guy that Lou Lamarillo, when he was with the Maple Leafs, went after. You know. All- Lightning for a playoff run. So uh, right, Islanders right. are uh, well versed in, in what he can bring to a playoff series. Which, uh, what, what are you expecting out of this best of five qualifier? Uh, you know, how, how do you expect it to go uh, from a Panthers standpoint? Well, I think if these two teams would have played in April, you know, I, I you know, might have given the Panthers the edge. I don't know. I mean. Uh, just the way, you know, things were ending for both teams. But this is a whole new season. I mean, this is a brand-new season. The Islanders have gotten some guys back. Uh, the Panthers maybe have gotten some guys healed up, but, but they were okay. They could have played. Um, it's going to be very interesting. You know, you've got two great coaches in uh, Joel Quinville and Barry Trotz, you know, matching head-to-head. Barry's got the advantage in those first two games of being the home team on neutral ice, but he gets last change, uh, so he's going to be able to be able to, 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 to flip some things here and there. Um, I really don't know. I mean, because like you said, you've got the X fact, you've got the Bobrovsky thing. Can the Panthers play defense the way they did in March, uh, or they go back to their old ways? So much stuff can happen in this thing. Um, I really don't know. It's a short series. Anything can happen. So um, time will tell. But it'll, it, I just I want to just see these guys play somebody else other than you know having uh, <laughs> having uh, four, five on five scrimmages at the ice den. Yeah, yeah. No, I I, I hear you. That that is going to be fun. I mean, personally, I, I 
I, I just think this this series will go the limit to five games, just because I think the teams are very evenly matched, and uh, you know, I, you know, the Panthers may have a little bit of an edge in goaltending. Um, I, I like the Islanders, you know, depth, uh, especially defensively, a little bit. But I mean, they played so close in the regular season. Yeah. I know you can't really count on that because the last game was in December, which was. God, it's going to be eight months since they played again, which is incredible. But um, I, I just see, you know, I don't think Barry or Q, either one of them, will let the series get away from them. You know, they, they're, they're really good at being able to contain momentum swings. And I, I think, to me, that bodes to a, a five-game series. And we also have two veteran coaches who have seen it all, right? So you're yeah, not – even yeah. though this is a short series, you're not going to have either one of them press the panic button. You know, neither one of these guys is going to – you know, whichever team loses game one isn't going to come out with a whole new lineup game two, right? I mean, they're right. going to stick with what, you know, what they know, what they've got. Um, and they've got trust in their guys. Both Both coaches do, so – it's definitely going to be interesting because you know neither neither guy is going to flinch you know neither neither guy is going to is scared of the situation but it's a different situation for both of them I mean it, you know this tournament style living in a bubble playing with no fans it's it's it is going to be strange not only for the players but for the coaches as well uh, practicing at the you know at the the Maple Leafs facility whatever it is and staggered I, who knows what's going to happen once they get to toronto with all those teams there um it's definitely going to be interesting and um I, I think both the islanders and panthers have to be happy that they've got veteran coaches uh to kind of guide them through this yeah no I, I agree with you completely now tell me a little bit about florida hockey now how that's going and uh, what you're trying to accomplish with it and how well, people can find you well, first off, it's a uh, it's a Florida Panther uh, news site. It's not a fan site. It's a, it's a news site. Uh, you know, I've been covering this team uh, almost twenty years, and uh, you know, a lot of in depth stories and uh, features and notebooks and columns and video. You know, all you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. Uh, FloridaHockeyNow.com is the site. It's a uh, subscription site where. 80% of the stuff is, is you know, is, is available for free. But some of the more in-depth stuff today I wrote about breaking down the roster, that was a subscription fee. Um, just, you know, trying to give this team some coverage. You know, I, I like I said, I've covered this team for a long time, and they're kind of underserved in this, mar this South Florida market. Um, and I covered them for the Athletic until they did the layoffs uh, in June. And – I just wanted to continue covering this team and continuing covering hockey, so here we are, FloridaHockeyNow.com. Uh, well, if you were, if you're an Islander fan and you're looking to scout your opponent or find out what's going on in this uh, qualifying series and and beyond, I mean, uh, we didn't even need to talk about what you expect or if you have any favorites in this uh, playoff tournament? Do you, do you, do you have a sense? Of, I mean, I, I think it really is a crapshoot, and any team can win this thing. I do, too. I, I think with this fresh slate that everybody's got, I think it kind of it kind of penalizes the teams, you know, the Bostons of the world that, that, that had a great regular season, and, and now everything starts fresh again. Um, I still think the Tampa Bay Lightning have so much to prove after last year, um, after getting swept in the first round by the number eight, you know, the eight seeded uh, Columbia, well, 16th seeded, really, yeah. uh, Columbia Blue Jackets. Um, you know, the, the Lightning were a work in progress for a lot of this year, as Coach you know, John Cooper um, tried to get them back to what made them successful in years past. I think last year they were a little too little too loosey-goosey, a little too dependent on the firepower, and this year they got back to playing pretty good hockey. Um, I, I think if the Tampa Bay Lightning, with their goaltending, with their defense, with the, with the firepower that they've got, I think the Tampa Bay Lightning are going to be a tough out regardless of, you know, who they play. I, I really think Tampa Bay's got a good chance this year out of the East. Out of the West, you know, roll the dice, right? I mean, you got the defending yeah. champs. 
You don't know what Vegas is going to do now that Pete DeBoer's had a chance to work with these guys for a while. Um, you know, there, there's a lot of good teams in the West. You've got Edmonton playing at home. It, you know, it, it's going to be it's going to be a lot of fun watching this, and that's what Joel Quinville's talked about. We talk about you know being in the bubble. He goes, you know what I'm looking forward to? All of us being able to just sit around and watch hockey. There's not yeah. going to be any distractions. We're not going to dinner. We're not going out with our friends. There's going to be hockey on all day long. We're going <laughs> to watch it. We're going to bond it. You know, and and it's going to be fun, man. When this thing gets going, it's going to be a cornucopia. Hockey, baby. It's going to be awesome. <laughs> yep. Uh, just uh, sit there with the feet up and watch from basically noon to midnight, probably. So I'm thinking of getting one of the, yeah, I'm going to bring the uh, the treadmill out into the living room. That way I can at least uh, feel like I'm doing something while I'm watching all this. <laughs> hey, listen, George, I, I really appreciate the time. Uh, looking forward to chatting again in, uh, you know, the coming weeks as these two teams play. And, uh, Best of luck um, with the uh, Florida Hockey Now. That's floridahockeynow.com. And you can follow George on Twitter at George Richards. And, uh, you know, stay safe and stay healthy, my friend. And thanks again to George Richards of Florida Hockey Now. Certainly appreciate his time, his answers, and just how willing he was to uh, to, to help out the Island Ice podcast. And uh, hopefully... Uh, now, maybe we can get a, a few viewers or listeners back his way. Again, all the best to George with his new venture, Florida Hockey Now. And with that, we will go right to Andrew's Answers. It's time for your questions with Andrew's Answers. And we're going to try and get through this in a timely fashion here. So uh, we're going to just plow straight ahead. And good friend Michael Minucci. Uh, asks, which line do you see Trotz matching up against the Barkov line in Game 1 against the Panthers? The center depth is pretty deep if all are healthy, and I could see Trotz being comfortable with any four lines against their top line. And yeah, I agree, and you know, Trotz certainly trusts any of those four lines defensively, but uh, if you're asking me uh, you know, which line starts Game 1, I- I'm probably going to say the Brock Nelson line. Uh, maybe, and, and, and you know what, uh, Barry, uh, especially when he has last change, doesn't necessarily play the matchup game. He just worries about, uh, his rotation, but I, I think he would certainly, uh, uh, wouldn't mind seeing the Brock Nelson line against that Barkov line. And, and this brings us to, I think I was scrolling through some of these Twitter questions and someone was asking me, you know, where do I see Beauvillier and which line and who do I see on Brock's wing and who do I see on Pajot's wing? And uh, I, I think if Brock's line is going to match up there against Barkov, I, I think Beauvillier, who's become uh, such a reliable two-way player, and obviously, you know, is... Uh, it can bring some offense when he's going, um, but it is never really a, a liability defensively. Uh, I think him with Brock and Josh Bailey is a line that uh, uh, Barry Trotz would feel very comfortable against the Barkov line. Uh, my my other thought would be the Sezikis line, um, and, and I think you'll even you know I think you'll see all lines out against Barkov at one time or another. You know, matching strength against strength with. Uh, Barzell's top line, but I, I think uh, Brock Nelson's line may see uh, a, a good portion of that ice time. Uh, Rick Stark says, the aliens are back and have another question you must answer. If the Islanders beat the Panthers, which of the top four Eastern Conference seeds would be their best and worst matchup? And, and you know, the, the, uh, the standard answer here is, boy, if you're playing one of the top four seeds or, or, or anyone in the playoffs, it's going to be a tough match. But, you know, of the Capitals, Flyers, Bruins, and Lightning, uh, you know, if the season had not been paused, I I think everyone would have thought the Bruins would be a very strong possibility to wind up back in the Stanley Cup final again. And uh, I I wouldn't relish a series against them. And I know the Islanders certainly held their own against the Bruins uh, during the regular season. I think a couple of one-goal games, overtime 
Um, but but the Bruins that that top line, uh, Bergeron, Marchand, Pasta, that, that's just that might be the best in the league. That that's very lethal. Uh, Tuka Rask is a Vesna worthy goalie. Um, you know, Zdeno Chara, ageless at this point. You know, uh, and and that defense is is certainly tough. I I think the Bruins would be a tough matchup for anyone. Uh, you know, the Lightning might be a little susceptible back on their decor, but again, you know, Andre Vasilevsky, sort of the same as Tuka Rask in terms of, you know, Vesna worthiness and, uh, you know, boy, uh, the lightning can fly around and, you know, enjoy it while you can because they're one of the teams that this uh, flat salary cap may take a huge chunk out of. But, uh, you know, Elaine Vigneault has done wonderful things with the Flyers. Uh, they just grind it out. Uh, they're they're, they're kind of tough. But, you know, I, I, I could see the Islanders maybe wanting to face up against either the Caps or the Flyers a little bit more than the Bruins or the Lightning. Um, and, and certainly not taking anything away from those teams. I, I like Barry Trott's cap, uh, coaching against the Capitals. I, I just do in a playoff series. I think that, you know, would even the playing field a little bit. Um so, you know, my answer would probably be, I, I would probably want to stay away from the Bruins most of all. Um, John says, who do you think will be left off the bubble roster? I would imagine Bellows will make the cut so they at least have one skill player to insert into the lineup as opposed to the group of veteran grinders. And, you know, uh, unlike other training camps, you're not going to see a, a ton of cuts here. Uh, the Islanders brought, what was it, 34 uh, players into this training camp 2.0. That's... Uh, uh, 30 skaters, um, 11 defensemen, 19 forwards, and then you got the four goalies uh, with Gibson and uh, Jacob Skarek uh, adding to Thomas Grice and Semyon Varlamov. So uh, going to the, to the bubble city or the hub city, uh, that quarantine bubble, the Islanders can bring 31 players. Um, that that's total, including goalies. So they're they're going to bring three goalies, and I think it's pretty clear that's going to be Grice, Varlamov, and Gibson. And again, if and when Ilya Sorokin does come here, the hope is because uh, Sorokin cannot play, they're hoping he does not count against the thirty-one active players, but just against the fifty-two person limit the Islanders can bring to their their hub city and the 52 person maximum includes all the players coaches management trainers the equipment staff all the support staff uh so the Islanders are hoping Sorokin uh, if and when he does get over here from Russia would count against that 52 and not against the 31 so uh my projected you know 31 player uh, roster would include the three goalies. That's Grice, Varley, and Gibson. And uh, let's see, as I flip over my notes, I think uh, that Barry Trotz, and we'll ask him later on this week, but I would suspect Barry Trotz is going to think you cannot have enough defensemen uh, going in there. So I think he's going to bring 10, uh, especially with Sebastian Ajo um, skating again. You know, there, there's the four set pairs of Adam Pellick, Ryan Pulak, Nick Letty with Johnny Boychuk, Devontae's with Scott Mayfield, and, you know, uh, coming up on the rail and, uh, you know, pressing towards the finish line is Andy Green and Noah Dobson. Uh, and then you also have Thomas Hickey, and that would be nine definite that are going to Toronto. But I, I suspect they're going to bring Sebastian Ajo as well. Uh, for 10 defensemen. So, you know, as as far as being left off the roster, that, that would be Jacob Skarek, the goalie, and uh, Grant Hutton, the defenseman. Now, with the forwards, if you're bringing 10 and... 10 defensemen and uh, three goalies, that's 13. Is that 18? It could be 18 forwards. Am I doing my math right? I don't know if I'm doing my math right. But uh, the way I figured it out is with the 34 players they brought to, to, to training camp, um, you, you basically got to subtract three. 
And, and the three I think are going to be subtracted are, are, are the goalie, like I said, Jacob Skarek, the, the defenseman, Grant Hutton, and I think Oliver Wallstrom. Uh, might be the forward who does not go to Toronto. And and that's assuming at some point Leo Komarov um, gets on the ice here and is not, you know, hurt, injured, whatever the absence reason is, long time, but uh, long term. Um, but I see them bringing Anders Lee, Matthew Barzell, Jordan Everly, Anthony Beauvillier, Brock Nelson, Josh Bailey, Tommy Kuhnhockel, J.G. Pajot, Derek Broussard, Matty Martin, Casey Sezikis, Cal Clutterbuck, Ross Johnson, Michael Dal Cole, um, Andrew Ladd, and Leo. And then also, uh, that would allow you to bring Otto Koivula and uh, Kiefer Bellows. So th- those are the players I-, I-, I think will wind up going. Um, Johnny Pajamas, <laughs> hey, hey, we were missing you. Colin wanted to talk to you. Um... Johnny Pajamas asks, how do you cover the team once they go to Toronto? Are you traveling also, or is it Zoom interviews from home? And uh, at least for the first couple of rounds, um, uh, the plan is for me not to go up to Toronto because uh, the NHL has essentially made it clear that uh, the reporters on site will not get any extra access that reporters who are staying at home and doing the interviewing uh, via Zoom and watching on TV are going to get. So, uh, you know, it really doesn't make sense for me uh, to go up to Toronto and have to quarantine for however long it's going to be, you know, a couple of weeks or whatever it is in a hotel, you know, just uh, just sitting in a hotel room for that long. Um, and, and plus I would have had to miss training camp to, 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 to go up there early to, to get my quarantine. in, even if, you know, and that supposes that I could get across the Canadian border. So, uh, no, I will be here at Shea Gross, um, and doing, uh, interviews via zoom and it's going to be weird. Um, but I am very, optimistic that the the coverage will be seamless in Newsday. Stu, and here's the question I was referencing. Where do you think Trotz would prefer to put Bo on Nelson's wing or on a line with Pajot and Broussard? Seems like the latter could possibly have some chemistry. And yeah, I I think those three guys, all, you know, uh, French Canadians um, and, you know, with similar playing styles, I think they would have some chemistry. But I do think Bo... Uh, winds up on on Nelson's wing where he spent a, a good portion of the season, and you know for the matchup and defensive reasons, I I listed a little bit earlier in Andrew's answers. Um, Buff Sprain asked, "Do you think this postseason will change who will be traded to clear cap in the off season?" And I, I don't. I, I I think the numbers will talk in the off season. Um, you know, and, and contracts are going to determine, you know, who who maybe tries to be moved uh, by Lou Lamarillo. And, uh, and unfortunately, I don't think performance, you know, will play all that huge a factor. Um, Tom, the old Isle of the old Isles fan since '75, says, "Hi, Andrew. I hear you pronounce Dal Call as Dal Call. I hear most people pronounce him as Dal Cole." Do you have it correct? And I'm pretty sure I don't. Um, you know, me with pronunciation is like me with math, you know. Igor Shesterkin. Nemensnikov. Casey Sezikis. Oh my God, listen to me. Um, so I apologize to Michael Dal Cole, um, but I will probably keep on calling him Michael Dalcall just out of habit. And again, I apologize. And, uh, you know, if I could do it all over again, I might at Newhouse in Syracuse taking a, a, a few uh, radio classes there. Uh, if I had known, uh, I would be doing so much of it. Uh, Sab says, um, serious questions. Who is your starter and goal? And what's the third line combination? Um so I, I, I do think, uh, I, I, I'm starting to believe, although I do not think this is determined one bit yet, 
but I, I believe Semyon Varlamov will probably be in net for game one. That's just my opinion. And when I say, when you ask what's the third line combination, are you asking about Pajot's line or are you asking about Brock Nelson's line? Because, uh, you know, uh, it, it could be one or the other. But I'm assuming you're asking about uh, Pajot's line. Um, and I, I think, you know, that will be uh, Pajot. Broussard, and uh, if it's not Bo, because again, I'm putting Bo up with uh, Brock, uh, you know, Ross Johnson has had a very good training camp. Um, I think Tommy Kuhnhockel has caught uh, the coaching staff's eye, and uh, you know, those and, and, and uh, those would be right now my two leading candidates, although I think Kiefer Bellows still has a chance to uh, uh, to to change, you know, Barry's mind and and maybe to sneak into maybe getting some playing time. But uh, I think right now uh, Ross or, or Tom are probably the leaders in the clubhouse for that that really that last forward spot uh, in the starting lineup available. Um, let's see. Scott says, do you listen to any other hockey podcasts? If so, which one? And uh, yeah, you know, you're always trying to get better and, uh, you know, uh, listen to uh, <laughs> other podcasts. I was on, uh, you know, Hockey Night uh, the other night with uh, with Sean and Christian, and, and they do an amazing job. And uh, I was just on with Puck Podcast with Eddie and, you know, out in California. He does an amazing job. I, I always like listening to Deb Placey's uh, podcast. And then, uh, you know, my good friend Arthur uh, with The Athletic, um, you know, uh, who's been covering the Islanders for a long time. And, uh, you know, me and him go back to our days covering uh, – uh, the Rangers together. Sorry, Johnny Pajamas. Yes, I just mentioned that I, I used to cover the Rangers, um, but so did Arthur. And, uh, you know, uh, Arthur Arthur certainly has a good voice as well. And, uh, you know, I always enjoy hearing his hockey opinions and, and other such musings. So, uh, you know what, they're, they're, they're really... You know, Dan Rosen with the NHL does a great podcast. There, there, there are a ton of them. And of course, though, I appreciate you listening to mine. And, uh, you know, I, I hope you uh, stay with this one. And uh, that wasn't a, oh, my God, who should I be listening to other than you? <laughs> uh, let's see. Uh, Brian G. asks, uh, does Andy Green have a better chance to start over Johnny Boychuk? And, uh Let's see, I mean, well, first of all, I mean, Andy's on the left side and, and Johnny's on the right-hand side, so I, I don't know if that's, you know, a, a straight-up substitution there. Um, it, it's a good question, though, because Andy and Noah Dobson are pushing as a pair, as a tandem, for playing time. And I, I still think... You know, for game one, uh, Trotz is going to go to the, the top six that we're expecting, which would be Pellick Bullock, Letty Boychuk, and Taze Mayfield. But I, I think, uh, you know, I don't think those are the only six defensemen you're going to see uh, during this series. Um, Benjamin Deer says, do you know what logo will be at center ice for the playoffs? Um I, this is just me speculating. I have to assume they're going to put down an NHL logo because you can't have a Maple Leafs logo uh, there. You just can't. Um, or and you know in Edmonton you can't have an Oilers logo. You know this is supposed to be completely neutral, and I, I just I have a strong hunch that it's going to be an NHL logo. Um, Lee Ullman says, does Grice get to repeat his dominance against Florida or Varlamov, the starter for game one? I sort of mentioned that I, I think Varley uh, is going to get the nod here to start. That's just me, and I think that can change very quickly. Uh, Martian Monster says, how do you think Trotz will use the eight-plus defenseman he has available? Any one of them is capable of having an impact. And, uh, you know, that's the answer, you know, I just gave above. I, I agree. And I think it goes beyond the top eight. I, I think Thomas Hickey has a real chance to play uh, in the series at some point as well. Um, you know, I, I really see them, 
you know, having a very solid top nine, any one of those guys who could play. Um, See, James says, do you think both goalies will get to play in the Ranger game? That would be in the exhibition game up in Toronto in July 29th. And yes, I do. I I think that will be probably, you know, a a 30-30 split in terms of minutes and at the very least a two-period, one-period deal. Um... John says, side question, what is the emergency goalie protocol in the bubble? Also, if a team goes through two of their three goalies, can they bring in another one on an emergency basis if they pass testing? And my understanding of this is no. You better hope that, you know, two or three of your goalies don't get hurt. My understanding is that a a player has to be on the roster, and we're talking about the 31-player roster, to play. Um, but, you know, I, I, I'm, I'm hoping that is, uh, you know, it's something that we really don't have to worry about uh, going through here. Uh, Todd Stahl says, where's Josh Hosang? Um, you know, if I had one more Josh Hosang question, we'd be cranking up uh, theme music there. But uh, uh, where is Josh Hosang? Well, uh, I don't know exactly where he is spending the pandemic. He is not playing uh, in training camp, and he's an impending restricted free agent. Um, So I I really, after being loaned out to the St. Louis Blues organization in February, really do not expect him to be staying anywhere in the Islanders organization any longer. Uh, If you go to the Newsday website, uh, I did actually write a story about Josh uh, for Tuesday's Tuesday's edition, and uh, I believe there's a link to the uh, uh, the new music he posted. He's uh, you know he uh, he he's been rapping, or he has rapped, and uh, he wrote a song called "Learning" that he uh, posted to the Audio Mac uh, platform, and uh, wrote a story about that. Uh, Newsday.com backslash sports, uh, the Islanders homepage. You can find that. Um, Ryan Paulson says, with Ajo waiver eligible come next season, it seems like the Islanders have to make a decision on him. Seems like he's NHL ready, and with uh, COVID-19, we have to assume he'd get claimed. Uh, I don't know, uh, you know, what one has to do with coronavirus. I I think uh, he might get claimed otherwise. Do you see him with the team, or is he a key trade piece to clear cap space. I mean, he's certainly not making a ton of money to impact the salary cap, but I I think he could be a trade piece to entice another team to take one of the Islanders' contracts that they are trying to get rid of. Um, I agree. I, I think the organization believes he's NHL ready. He is certainly, uh, you know, developed uh, down in uh, Bridgeport. Uh, you know, uh, talking to Brent Thompson, very complimentary of uh, the progress he's made. Um, and, you know, as the Sound Tigers' best defenseman. I think he'll, you know, if he's with the organization, you know, Lou is going to have some tough choices uh, this summer, uh, or this summer, we're in the summer, this offseason, um, with, with the salary cap remaining flat at $81.5 million. Uh, you know, Scotty Mayfield's contract is eminently tradable. Um and and I don't uh, saying that I don't want to trade Scott Mayfield, but what I'm saying is you know he's a guy that you know other teams may look to get, and again I think you know teams that are looking to shed salary are going to have to throw you know kind of uh, an enticer into these packages where some trades are going to look a little one sided to move these deals. Um, and Lou has done deals like that in the past uh, with other organizations. But uh, I, I see Sebastio, uh, Sebastian Ajo being very much in the mix uh, for next season, either as a guy competing for a roster spot. And certainly, you know, he would be, you know, a young defenseman going through waivers, you know, certainly would be good bait for another team to claim. 
So I, I think he's going to be in the mix one way or another, either to claim a training uh, a lineup spot or as an enticer in a deal so the Islanders can clear salary cap. And, and with that, that would signal the end of Andrew's answers, and that would signal the end of this episode of Island Ice. And I thank you for sticking with it, and I thank again George Richards for his time and... I look forward to uh, chatting even more hockey next next week as we get closer to exhibition games and uh, uh, a qualifying series. And until then, uh, I'm Andrew Gross. You can follow me on Twitter at A Gross Newsday. Please subscribe, uh, like, click on the links, and uh, uh, you leave comments for the Island Ice podcast on all podcast platforms. Uh, Google, Spotify, SoundCloud, uh, uh, wherever podcasts are fun. But most of all, we'd like you to go to the Newsday website, newsday.com backslash sports, where all Island Ice episodes can be found. And until next week, be well, stay safe, and looking forward to some hockey in the very near future.